listening to Darren and Friends. This is episode 12, the final episode of the first season of this brand new podcast. I cannot believe how fast it's come around in some ways and in other ways it feels like I've been doing it for a lifetime and I suppose that's because I've loved it, every minute of it. And to be honest, it's been a bit of a roller coaster summer for me in many different ways for many different reasons. But the one thing that's been solid has been your listenership and your loyalty throughout. And just getting on board with a brand new project, I didn't have a clue what way it was going to go. Obviously, I had hopes and dreams and aspirations for what way I wanted it to sound and feel and look online. And I just can't believe the way it's taken shape. And it's all, well, it's not all of it. I mean, we've worked hard here, haven't we, lads? So not all of it is because of your loyalty, but a lot of it is, you know, and getting such great feedback. And I can't thank you enough for that. It's been such an amazing couple of weeks and thank you so much and who knows who knows you guys when we'll cross paths again maybe you'll be at electric picnic this weekend maybe we'll walk by each other in the street but if neither of those things happen I am very excited to reveal that the laughs of your life podcast is making its return lads bigger shout than that please thank you thank you Paddy and Shane and Colm is with us in spirit Uh, see it sounds like Colm has died he hasn't died Colm is alive and well Um, but yes the last of your life podcast is coming back this October we are so excited we've been plotting and planning and thinking about different guests and brainstorming and there's so much excitement uh, on that side of things um, and we'd love to take actually suggestions from people if they want to get in touch. Am I right, producer Paddy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, I mean, we'd love to hear who people would like to get on the show. So, yeah, drop there in a DM. <laughs> I mean, you read them all. So, like, all yeah. thousands every day, but she goes through them all. We go through them all and uh, we'd love to get your suggestions from every walk of life. That's the great thing about the last of your life. There's people in comedy, there's people in politics, there's people mm-hmm. in music, there's people in movies, whatever it might be, or even just a really interesting character. And we've done that in the past a few times. And the great thing is, the feedback often is that someone will listen to an episode from a guest that they never heard about before and they go, that's actually my favourite episode ever. And yeah. they learn a lot. So every suggestion is welcome. Coming up on today's episode, Donica is back and we have a chat about the people you can rely on when things get a little bit hairy and then there are the others. Don't you spot the rats a mile away, you're there. And I love that you're calling them rats because like, let's face it, there are a lot of rats that, that scurry. And I'm convinced that Eugene Garry, my dad, has held out to the last episode of Theron and Friends just so he could say, well, you left the best to last, Theron. Out the back door, grab the two of you by the hair of the head, out the front door, and across the road into O'Sullivan's. <laughs> this season of Theron and Friends is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. As it is the final episode of the season, I want to say it's been such a pleasure to have FNF as our show sponsor. Having them on board for the very first season of Theron and Friends really has meant so much and We are so grateful for their support. I've loved wearing their clothes on the show. The absolute bonus of having a clothing sponsor. I love the fact they offer such quality, value for money and amazing offers all of the time. Which reminds me, FNF have 25% off jeans at the moment. That offer runs until next Sunday, the 3rd of September. To qualify, just present your club card or app at the tills when you're purchasing. Sales lines are excluded. Revamp your wardrobe for less with FNF Fashion at Tesco. All right, let's get into it. Here's Donica. Okay, Donica, something I realized recently that I didn't kind of know I had as a thought process until I needed it was that when things go wrong or when times are tough or I'm feeling like I need 
a bit of a reset. The two things I think are, what would Beyonce do? And, and what would Donica do? No way. Up there with Queen B. Oh my goodness. Dunners, you wow. are up there with Queen B. Jeannie, that's incredible way to... Thanks, that's an inc- incredible compliment. Well, there you go. That's yeah. what I think. And so I would like to pose that to you. And I don't know where we go after this. <laughs> it's got embarrassing. No, but what would you say your your outlook is? When things are tough or when times are tough or you're feeling beaten down, mm. what do you think of? What do you do? Who do you look to? Uh, yeah, um, I'll be honest with you. Rugby has helped me an awful lot with that. But it's someone that my mom, honestly, put like a gravel in us like I've never come across. It's the the mindset of, you know what I mean? Like show no weakness and keep going and backing yourself. Yeah. Was like, obviously, they are great attributes to have going into anything. And they, they were brilliant for rugby because that's why they're the kind of values you try to center a team around. So it's really easy to buy in if you have those being honest, hard work and stuff like that. Yeah. But like we were getting that the whole time. Like we chatted about in the last year of life. But my dad passed away really young. But my mom all of a sudden just galvanized us into this little team. Yeah. And I I think I do. I get a bit like that. Granted, I, I do. I've no problem asking for help, which I think is... That's a sign of strength as well, though. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, I know, and not being smart as, I know I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I know there's brilliant people around that I can ask. And yeah. you, you know that I'd ask opinions totally. of different people in different situations. You're not so. afraid to pick up the phone. And I think people underestimate that. Yeah. Generally. And people love to be asked for help. Yeah, they do. And yeah. And people forget that as well. You feel like you're bothering people. But I know that you, you aren't afraid to go... I know that this person has expertise in this field and I could really do with yeah. picking their brains. And so you'll pick up the phone and ask. And yeah. generally the reception is always great, I'm sure. No, of course. But again, it comes from rugby. Like if you know someone that's doing something that's cutting edge and that's ahead of the game, like you, why wouldn't you ask them? Why wouldn't you try to, I know I hate the word kind of mentor, but like at least have a conversation to improve. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely think I've a little bit of that still lagging over from rugby. But um, I must be honest, I'm, I'm blown away. It's an incredible compliment. Well, it's to a think. fact. Yeah. It is because it's like, because you are very good as, as well at separating, you know, when there is, and, I, and again, it probably comes from rugby and it probably comes from, say, massive blows within the game. Yeah. And everyone talking about it and it being plastered everywhere and trying to navigate that. Yeah. Like, I've, I find that hard when yeah. things are, when there's a shitstorm basically. Yeah. And, you know, talking to you at times like that is, is always great. But you, you've, you've brilliant counsel. You've great advice. I've noticed like your dad, like that Colonel, remember you said that he's lying about no one really cares. No, like, no, well, yeah, no one gives a fuck about you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but hey, hey, you're lucky, Darren, with the ones that do. And 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 they reveal themselves during yeah. really tough times. Yeah. And like, it, it's mad. It isn't until you go through something that you really know who you've got and you know who the rats are. And <laughs> don't you spot the rats a mile away? You're there. And I love that you're calling them rats because like, let's face it, there are a lot of rats uh, that, that scurry. Absolutely. Run off and you're there like, 
You know what I mean? I needed you there, fella. Yeah. And in the end, you were like a wet duffel coat. You nearly buried me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what a, a big thing for me is? I, I, I'd hate to kind of look back and have kind of regrets or to feel like I cut a corner in anything. Yeah. yeah, I know that sounds mad. No, like, you know, there's plenty of blagging goes on with me and I, I definitely could work harder on loads of different stuff. But I, I do kind of like throw myself into it going, oh, I am so out of my depth here. Yeah. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, and there's, and there's joy in that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. even the thing we're working on at the moment, there are moments where we're like, oh God. <laughs> yes. And we're like, but like, we're, we know we're going to look back and go, those were the days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Look, when you're doing, I've said that, when you're doing it with good people, it's never a hassle, it never feels like a chore. I don't want to kind of get corny, but for me, like you're, you're a good barometer for me on how, you said yourself, how I'd like to shape my girls to be. Like you, no, no, and don't, like I'm being deadly serious. Like take the talent away and, and take the opportunities away. You graft like no one I've ever seen before. You, you like forget about your talent and your work ethic. Yeah, sorry, your your ability to keep, kind of keep going. Your ability to stay in the game and work harder than everyone else in the room is absolutely incredible. And I know it's been like, like there's been a few tough weeks of it all, but I actually you've gone to another level in my my kind of mindset of that's if I can shape my girls, if Sophie Anna and Robin can be like Darren and type like you're someone I would look for them to to be like isn't that a bit corny <laughs> <laughs> and awkward this is where, incredibly awkward yeah, where do we go after <laughs> this how do we get out of this awkward yeah. well I, I travelled to see Beyonce eight times I can't say I travelled to see you around the world you won't even come down the road to do <laughs> one show in Cork you've done one show in Cork <laughs> since we started the breakfast show you went to was London to see Beyonce <laughs> And you didn't even have a ticket. <laughs> you, went to, you went to London to her pop-up shop. That I was did. it. I queued for her pop-up shop. Uh, donors, I promise I'll come down to Cork a bit yeah, more now in the sure, winter. You sure I will. I'll, I'll Skype you. <laughs> okay, Donegal, when it comes to sporting events, right? Mm-hmm. The one that I always remembered was the Six Nations because... Yeah. When I was single. Yeah, you told me this before. The Six Nations yeah, is the time. best time of year to get out in the town. <laughs> do you know, you're right. Like, do you know touring teams or sorry, the Six Nations teams, like if Ireland are playing in Cardiff, yeah. all the Welsh will come to Ireland to watch the match in Ireland, yes. even though it's on in their back garden, like. That's the best thing about yeah, it. Brilliant. It and it's cool. and, and it's and so if you find the love of your life from Wales, isn't it grand? They're only a hop across the water. <laughs> Do you know what the thing was? You know when you're on the team bus, how everyone goes on about the team bus, the team bus, like and it goes <laughs> yeah. through honestly the, the bus ride to the Aviva and everyone's banging on the thing, going, Oh my god, they're so lucky to be all you're thinking on the team bus is what I wouldn't give to be out there. You know what I mean? They're going to have the best night of the their life. Look night. at them. You know what I mean? It's half two and they're bent out of shape already. <laughs> it's so true. But sorry, I always knew that the Six Nations were like the February vibe where yeah. you're coming out of hibernation. Yes. You've been kind of maybe eating a bit better in January, prepping for just looking well, okay. for going out. So I always know about that. 
Never have a clue about the World Cup. World Cup, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit like the Irish rugby team. Yeah, like, <laughs> good in Six Nations, having a clue of the World Cup. We, we get to them and kind of go, oh, right, you're meant, oh, to stay here. you're meant to stay here longer than two weeks. Oh, right. Well, Jesus, this came out of nowhere, right? There's um, quarterfinals. There's, there's games after the quarterfinals. <laughs> we did the total Irish thing. No, we won't overstay our welcome. We'll just, we'll just head off. Yeah, Argentina, lovely. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I suppose a bluffer's guide to the World Cup. I haven't a clue what's coming up. I don't know who's playing, who, where. Yes. What should I look forward to? I'm obviously now in a loving relationship, so I'm not worried about that side of things. Yeah, yeah. But But even to just get cozy and... And small chat around it. Do you know what? You're actually, to be fair to you, at least you're honest about it. Because rugby is a game full of imperfections. And the more you learn about it, the, the the less enjoyable it is. Okay, so the, the less you know, the better. A hundred percent. I promise you, it's a better game if you know less. Right. To, to watch, because everything's a penalty. And like, you know, the only one consistent thing is Wayne Barnes is a bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> He's a referee, an English referee. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I laughed anyway. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, so we have four pool games. Yes. We're playing Romania in our first game and we're playing Tonga after that. And they're the games, the big interest is they're the games Johnny Sexton's going to be able to play in. So he's coming back right. and it's going to be his last World Cup. What was the injury? Yeah, he was injured with his groin, I think it was. But then he got sighted for... Uh, yes, something that happened. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Well done, anyway. so well, I done remember well done, well done. Yeah, yeah. Something. You're on it. You're Very on bold. It. So there are two kind of pool games and then it gets interesting. Then we play South Africa and um, then we play Scotland. Okay. And the furthest we've ever got is quarterfinal. And Ever then, in the World Cup? Yeah, all right, jeez, like, whoa, we tried. You know what I mean? How far did you get? Quarterfinals, oh, that's it. <laughs> I'll never forget, we played Argentina in France and uh, Felipe Contaponi, one of the Leinster players, and playing with Argentina. One of these guys, you would love to have him in your team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what a player to have in your team. You played against him, you absolutely hated him. Okay, okay, okay. But I remember we used to always have a bit of beef between a, a few of us and him. <laughs> And I'll never forget, we were playing in this quarterfinal and he was there, this time tomorrow, you will be on your coach. Uh, like in, a, in the middle of the game. And it wasn't until I kind of sat down on my coach the next day and Cora was there. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was a bit of a slow burner. I was there. That was too far. <laughs> he was spot on. I'm literally on my couch. <laughs> what the he hell? Knows it all. <laughs> <laughs> but oh we God. have got World Cups wrong. So yeah, okay. a, a few of them I went into, some of them, during, and this is the, the, the gotten thing. It, like it is hard to time them because everyone is trying to get like four years of work go into it. But to be fair, in Ireland, we hold the Six Nations to massive account. So yeah, we always try to compete really well on that. But we're in a great position. We're the best team in the world. Okay. Did I mention that? We're you mentioned. <laughs> we're in the best team in the world since I retired. <laughs> Holding them back. <laughs> How far do you think this team could go? Oh, yeah, yeah. This tough question now because you're you're kicking the old patriotic side of me that knows they could do something really. Put that special. aside, and this isn't a rugby podcast, no. so you don't need to be yeah, tactical. Okay. Will you so, just be honest with yeah, me? Yeah, I'll be honest because I consider you a friend okay, on their okay, friends. Fair enough. It's uh, for me. New Zealand are always in the shakeup. They're the best team in the world, and and have been for years. And oh. then it's in France. And they have been, they have, the last four years, they have put everything towards this home World Cup 
and them succeeding. And they have some incredible players in their team. We're in a, bit, a brilliant position. A quarterfinal, beyond a semi-final would be amazing. But it, the bit that actually it, it really annoys me is if, if the team don't go well, I bet you they'll get hammered. They, they, everyone will have... Uh, goals why, out them because why? they underperformed at another World Cup but it's hard to get it right and no yeah. one will have enjoyed this unbelievable time where we were the best team in the world for close on over a year everyone's going to say ah, yeah, they yeah, shot yeah. the bed in another World Cup and part of me kind of half hopes it so I kind of go <laughs> I wasn't the only one that did it <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Sigh of yeah, exactly. Welcome them home at the airport. Well done, lads. Two weeks. Come on, it's grand. <laughs> Any other tips for me, Donica? Yeah. Um, and this is for the single girls that are listening. They can spit this out. The yeah, pub. exactly. Uh, good things you could chat about are there's a stat in rugby called logs. Right. So yeah, during your log score was like five seconds. That's the amount of time you lie on the ground after a contact. Right. Lying on ground. Log. Log. So it's like. like geez, Oh. Tyke Furlong's logs. <laughs> well, maybe that isn't a good life. <laughs> I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's, that's, like, you know that's what? a great out. Just, just say I know nothing about rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? Who does? It's a stupid game. <laughs> Okay, last but certainly not least. Now, I think I have a sneaking suspicion. My dad decided to hold back on being a guest on Darren and Friends because he wanted to wait and see if it went down well. (laughs) And if it was well-received by listeners. And then and only then did he decide, ah, yeah, I'll go in and give it a go. So he came in, he sat down, we had a nice little reminisce and a chat and I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, Eugene, you're a very busy man, so thank you very much for making the time to come in for Darren and Friends. Something that happened recently and that what shows the difference between you and mom. <laughs> the way in which she's able to host versus the way in which you, dad, is able to host. So I came over to for a barbecue recently. Yes. And would you like to take us through exactly what happened? It was going to be you and mom and myself. And it ended up being the first time I have ever seen you truly fearful (laughs) yeah well it is fair to say that my lovely wife Claire is a really good host yes and she does most of the work as she has said I have heard her say it but I'm allowed to do the barbecuing yeah because (laughs) allowed (laughs) because I'm very good at barbecuing steaks I'm also very good at eating them so I think (laughs) For somebody that likes steak as much as I do, I think it's only right and proper that I treat the steak on the barbecue as it should be treated. Yes. It was a bit of drama. There's no doubt about it. Scary for a while. You see, we wheeled out the barbecue after the winter. We did. It was lying up for the winter. And Claire, as usual, cleaned it down, the top of it, all that, get ready for the meat. Yes. The cooking. And I turned it on and let it rip. (laughs) Little did I realise that the arse had fallen out of it. And all of the grease and all of the fat off the steak fell down right between the bars, down onto the top of the bottle of gas, which shouldn't have been there anyway, I believe now. The whole lot went in fire. The gas bottle, the valve on top of the gas bottle, the pipe, everything went in fire with a massive flame. And of course, I was thinking of other events with gas bottles and all that, so... I cleared the house, got you and <laughs> got you and mom into the planting area. I didn't realise, no, they're not far enough away. 
So I ran in through the house, tried to turn it off, burned my finger. Couldn't, everything was melted. Ran in through the house, out the back door, grabbed the two of you by the hair of the head, out the front door, and across the road into O'Sullivan's. <laughs> <laughs> called the fire, you got called the fire brigade. It seemed to arrive, like from Finglas, as it turns out, yeah. in seven or eight minutes. It was great. Yeah, it was very good. Of course, the big burly firemen just walked in through the gate, <laughs> in through the house, caught the barrel of gas and hooked it into the garden. <laughs> Now you're all right. And I looked around two minutes later and there's four fire firemen doing selfies with you out the road. <laughs> but they were brilliant. They were brilliant. But uh, And, by the way, yes. the good thing was, we went in, what did we do? The steaks were perfect. They were perfect. <laughs> perfect. We had a massive feast to three of us. They were absolutely I'm perfect. I'm sorry I didn't offer the, um, the firemen, but they probably knew <laughs> had more since they wouldn't have eaten them anyway. But um, yeah, it was, that was it was kind of scary for a while. It was very scary. I was very good under pressure, wasn't I? <laughs> no, you actually weren't. I was way better under pressure. I had the protection of my family at heart. <laughs> you did get us across the road safely, but all the while wearing your beautiful sort of frilly, uh, frilly apron, <laughs> which is a, a fantastic uh, yeah. sight. Anyway, all is well that ends well. We have uh, we got went off. I actually. Last night, I broke up the old barbecue. See my thumb, black and blue? Oh, stop you. So it's, that's gone now. That's gone, disposed of. So we're looking forward to getting another barbecue and uh, maybe having a barbecue when the sun rises again. And it's important to... You know, uh, it's very bad, isn't it? Very For bad. Everything. Bad on the sea, bad on the boats, bad on the tourism. Maybe there's a, a little bit of light in the horizon. But huge. I feel like I feel like the older you're getting, the calmer you're getting with stuff like that. And you've always been a bigger picture person, but even more so with age and with grandkids and all that kind of thing. Well, I've always been a bigger person, <laughs> but a bigger picture. Yeah, I I always did. I think when you fish under the cliffs of Moher in a 32 foot half decker in bad weather for a couple of years with, you know, difficult conditions all around. Um, anything I have ever done since then has been a bit of a doddle, really. Why do you say that? Because it's extremely difficult. I was young, so I was able for it and fearless in a sense. But when I look back on it and reflect on it, it was a difficult, difficult task. And looking back on it, I think it did prepare me for anything that was to I was to confront from there on. I think. You don't think about things too deeply, Dad. You, and I think that that's what makes you be a bit of a bigger picture person. That you like to, you're a solutions-based person and you like to cut the, and get to the solution and whatever it takes to get to that fast, you'll do. Oh, that's true. I do. I mean, I do like solution uh, to get to the to get to the solution fairly fast. But I, I, I think it would be wrong to say I'm not a deep thinker. I found myself like thinking deeply about things, very deeply. But of course, you know, if you're looking for a perfect world, you know, that is definitely on a you're on a hiding to nothing. Because the world is has never been perfect, is not perfect now, and certainly will not be perfect in the future. So if you're looking for perfection, you're in the wrong world, really. You know? It's um so I think you have to accept the world as it is and just do little bits here and there that can improve the situation for some people as you go because like, there's nobody going to change the world. You know, even the most powerful people make a complete bollocks of it. 
you know. <laughs> so, and the best intention people often fall flat on their faces, you know. Um, trying their very best to do the best they can for as many people as possible. In our school, we used to go to Romania. The fifth years would go every summer yeah. um, to help out with, with children there. And I remember the year that I was going and you you were the one who instigated this trip and this this charity folks in Romania. And I remember the year that I was going, you came in to talk to the students before we went on the trip. There was yeah. about 50 of us going. And I was only 16 at the time. And I remember feeling kind of uncomfortable because you said to everyone, we're going to go on this charity trip now and you're going to do what you can for these children in need. You're going to make a difference. You're going to come home and you're going to move on with your lives. And I want you to understand that before we go. And I remember being like, oh, that sounds kind of harsh. But it's only that I now move on in life and, and realize what you meant is so true, that you can only make a small difference, but you have to be able to move on with your life and, and say, I've made that difference and that's great but it can't be the thing that I cling to forevermore. Okay, I'd like to talk to you about um, a statement that you've made in the past that I have then shared through social media and we haven't really delved into again since then, right? And I shared it on Instagram a couple of years ago and not to give you a big head, Eugene, but people often quote it back to me and say, I just want you to know that that bit of advice that your your dad gave you uh, a few years ago and when he said, you do realise, Theron, no one gives a fuck about you. That... It's helped them with many situations throughout their life and it's helped them steer their life in a different direction uh, in, you know, in a good way. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you've been through in life or the lessons you've learned along the way that have made you have that approach when it comes to certain situations? Oh yeah, there was nothing major, nothing major. But I mean, going back to the, the, the fishing or the charities or the construction or the ferry business or raising families or whatever. I think as you get older, you realise the very important things in life. Family is the most important. I've always relied on family and they've always been there from the start and not one of them have ever let me down. So there's, I'm one of 11, so there's 10 already. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing. Yeah, outside of that, like, I think I, I would always say yeah, there are a few people you could talk, call friends, but most of them are pals. Yeah. They're pals you meet for social occasions, for family occasions. They come along, they disappear. You mightn't see them again for a long time. But I, lots of pals, though. Lots of pals I socialize with and have the best to crack. So, like, if you have if you have pals you can go for a pint with or whatever, go play golf with or whatever you do. I'm so lucky I have them, and I have them in Doolin, and I have them in Dublin, and... You know, it's just wonderful. I've been very lucky. Do you have any intention of slowing down with socialising? I have no intention of it. I'm sure others might have intentions of slowing me <laughs> down, but I mean, that'd be, that, unless I'm struck down with some kind of an ailment, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fucking chance. <laughs> what, does it, what does it mean to you to be able to count on people like that where you can go up to the local and yeah. sit down with a pint and have a chat to... It is everything to me. It is everything to me. <laughs> Go and slag the shite out of everyone and be slagged back and just have the grace to crack and find something, find some opening somewhere that you can really tear the arse out of someone and get it back. Like, it's just great crack. Nothing is taken seriously, but it's very, it's very enjoyable. I was away with uh, Avian and Alva recently and it was the first time we'd been away together, obviously, that without, was lovely, actually, yeah. you know, without kids. Yeah. And it was lovely for all of us in our own way, because not only for them to have a bit of freedom and independence to enjoy themselves, yeah. but I hadn't had them to myself yeah. in so long. Yeah. Yeah. So 
we went away and obviously they had the moments of a bit of mom guilt and then the moments when they were okay and the moments where they were worried or checking in or FaceTiming or whatever. And Avian reminded us of a story that mom had told her about a time where we went to the States when we were kids and our connecting flight was delayed in JFK. And well, you're laughing huge. This is not a laughing matter. Listen, what you're on about now is a first world problem. Mom, yeah, of course you say that. Mom told Avian this story that we were three smallies. So we were probably what age six, four and two. And the flight was delayed and you said you were going for a walk. Mom was there going, where the fuck is he after going and leaving me with the three of these? Next of all, what did she hear in the distance? Paddy's Green Shamrock Shore. (laughs) (laughs) You belted it out in the pub in the air. I met a couple of lads that know me and they said, she has any chance you give us Paddy's Green Shamrock Shore? (laughs) I'll let her rip. chat with Avian and Alba was can you imagine if either of our other halves abandoned us with the, with the kids talk to me about when you and mom came up to Dublin because you've said something before about Dublin people and how refreshing that was for you as someone oh, coming from the west of Ireland yeah certainly well, when I came to Dublin then and I was working beside Dublin lads and I have to tell you it was enriching for me the openness and the crack and like you knew exactly what they were about there was no there was no valley of squinting windows. Yeah. You know, it was just complete transparency. It was so refreshing. And I'll always be grateful to Dublin people for that. The way they welcomed you and yeah. the how normal they made it to just be oh, yeah. honest about where mm. you're at in life. Yeah. Oh, the, the welcome we got, like I worked beside them. I mean, they'd be calling you Kulshis and get back down to your Kulshis. <laughs> we'd be calling them, fuck off you, Jack. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was just so refreshing. It was a beautiful experience for me to leave the country and and of course to have the mix now is great. Yeah. You know, because I appreciate both sides of it. Because that gives you kind of a broader perspective as well in life, you know. Huge, um, mm. you're in your 64th year as we've mentioned many times. If you are lucky enough to make it to your say 84th year, how do you picture the next 20 years panning out? So, a pal of mine said to me when I was 60, he said, Eugene, Make sure you enjoy the next 15 years from 60 to 75 because basically after that you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> that is so inspiring. Which is not Thank you. Fair for anybody that's 75 plus 75 or 85 and then the whole of their health. Yeah. But I think in general he's probably right because the kind of crack that we have, you couldn't have it after 75. Why? Because we kind of do things to excess. <laughs> I think that's what he was talking about. Not the normal living, the clean living man yeah, yeah, at 75. Yeah. But the crack we get up to, like, is just teenagers wouldn't get up to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just late nights and we were away and all that. I don't know how long the body's going to last that. But you listen, it's fucking great while it's lasting. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Theron and Friends with me, Theron Garrahy, in the company of my friends and family, Donico Callahan and Eugene Garrahy. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please help us let people know about the podcast by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and just generally spreading the word. This podcast has been produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. And I'm so delighted to say that this season of Theron and Friends has been brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Thank you so much for listening again and chat to you soon.